guys we're back uh glad to have you with us we've got andrew howard on today chief business development officer at bitcoin reserve um outside of his work at uh bitcoin reserve he's also written a great article for bitcoin magazine i'm hoping we can dig into that a little bit and outside of that we actually share an interest in jujitsu so i'd love to draw some parallels between jujitsu mma and uh and bitcoin as well if we could so andrew this is my first time meeting you how are you doing today man man i'm doing great it's uh i watch the show all the time and i've been f familiar with you for a while given the jujitsu fighting background so yeah super excited to, to join the conversation Awesome, man. So uh, what should we dig into first? Do you want to do you want to tell us your Bitcoin story? Yeah, wow. Uh, well, so it began in 2017. And I was still in active duty Marine Corps at the time I was stationed in Camp Pendleton in San Diego. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had gotten into like Austrian economics and uh, Ron Paul. I read and the Fed. I read the Creature from Jekyll Island. I, I got into the libertarian Austrian school of thought, and uh, with that came the realization that like, holy shit, <laughs> the United States government can't have all these these uh, you know military interventions in all these countries without the money printer, and that was just such a, a foreign concept to me that I had never grasped before. So, uh, so yeah, I, I got into gold at the time. And then I found out about Bitcoin through another libertarian activist, uh, who's also a Marine veteran turned like libertarian. And um, yeah, man, at that point, I mean, during the like bid run up in 2017, I was in a training exercise where I didn't have internet. So, so I was basically forced to huddle, uh, which <laughs> looking back on it is, is actually a really good thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's basically how I got involved in a nutshell. I mean, I joined the Marine Corps because, uh, like pretty much every Bitcoiner, I, I care about freedom more than anything. I think without freedom, you don't have anything at all. Um, and Bitcoin definitely helped me realize that, uh, you know, the, the true, <laughs> the true threat to freedom is the money printer and, uh, politics basically. So so now my passion and, and my mission in life is just spreading the word about Bitcoin, uh, helping out Bitcoin Reserve, help people in Europe buy Bitcoin, um, talking about freedom on my podcast and, you know, talking with awesome folks like yourself as well. That's awesome. Have you uh, have you had a chance to talk to Jason Lowry yet? What do you think of his uh, rather militaristic vision of, of Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I did. I have... Uh, <laughs> requested a debate multiple times um i've shared <laughs> I've, sh I've shared the video like literally every every time he would tweet about how you know he uses these buzzwords like defense as a service and uh his entire thesis is completely wrong because national defense you know standing armies are are what make countries less safe and that sounds like a crazy thing for people to to, to grasp mm -hmm. but um that's the reality so anyways uh can you can you go into that can you go into that a bit what do you mean by it that makes them less safe 
Yeah. So I, I talked about this on my recent podcast episode with actually another Marine veteran uh, Bitcoiner. And basically, you know, if you think about it, the idea of getting millions of young people and giving them machine guns and then telling them not to question anything, <laughs> like maybe that's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> You know, and of course, they tell you when you're in the military. You know, if you get uh, if you get an unconstitutional order, you're you're legally obligated to d- disobey it. But nobody knows what an unconstitutional order is. I mean, the majority of people who join the military do not read the Constitution. So you know, this whole notion that that uh, we're actually gaining something from from uh, standing armies, plus the founding fathers uh, of America warned against a standing army, the Second Amendment. People talk about the Second Amendment a lot, but one thing they they often do not talk about is the militia in the Second Amendment. This is the original mm-hmm. purpose. This is why Japan didn't invade mainland U.S. I, I forget his name, but he was some high up Japanese official in the military, and he said the reason that we did not invade mainland United States is because we would find a rifle behind every blade of grass, and that's really what it is. And if you look at you know, the United States military going into Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam, these small countries, the biggest military superpower on planet Earth could not defeat basically a bunch of farmers fighting for their homeland, you know? So, um, yeah, that's so my do, answer to that. So you think the, uh, like the defense in the United States, it'd be better off if it was just the people rather than a standing army? Is that what you're saying? I absolutely do. Um, okay. Yeah. And plus, if you look at uh, the United States government, I mean, if you really want to trust the government to keep you safe, I think we, at this point, almost two years into this, this panic, um, if you don't see that the government does not care about your safety, then you got to take the blinders off. Um, I mean, there are many examples of that too, like building seven, <laughs> if we want to get uh, real I deep into video. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, talk we, about building seven. Let's, let's do, it. do it, man. Uh, I'm no, I'm no architect or engineer. Uh, but I do know that three planes collapsed on, on nine 11 and two of them had planes flying into them. One of them did not, uh, for, for a better explanation of Building 7, there is a, a great website by an organization called Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. And this is over, I believe, 3,000 architects and engineers who are risking their careers and doing the right thing and saying that the official government narrative defies the laws of physics. I mean, <laughs> the government is saying that Building 7, which had tons of, of government agencies in it as well, uh, just collapsed in a pancake-like fashion due to office fires. This is the official story we're given. And never before in history ever has a building collapsed in a pancake fashion, just as it would under a controlled demolition through mm-hmm. office fires. So it's, it's a huge question that needs to be asked. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable question, but uh, yeah, I mean, we just have to look at the reality, you know? Yeah, what boggles me about th- the whole thing is that the, the the American people don't seem to care. You know, we've forgotten and we've moved on. We've moved on to the pandemic. We've moved on to other, I guess, more interesting and more, you know, contemporary crises. And it seems that the United States just has no end of they're just reshuffling the deck in terms of crises, you know, to kick the, the fiat, to bring it back to Bitcoin, to kick the fiat monetary can down the road, to create agencies that will never be destroyed. Um, you know, to forge agreements with countries and central plan economies that can never be retracted. 
if that makes sense. I don't, I don't know how you see it though. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that these, these catastrophic, these crazy events, uh, are always aligned with the, you know, cycles with that central banks cause, um, the boom bust cycles. I mean, in 2001, obviously we had 9-11 and then that was around the same time as the dot-com bubble in 2008. It was the great financial crisis. And of course they blamed it on, on other things than the, the money printer. Um, and then what do we have, you know, now we have, uh, <laughs> right before the pandemic, the pandemic was happening. We had the, the federal reserve, still printing tons of money doing, I believe it was called what overnight liquidity injections, these fancy words they always use, but they were printing tons of money right before COVID happened. So, you know, and they, they're, they're printing trillions of dollars right now, blaming it on COVID. That's, that's really not COVID it's the federal reserve. So yeah, I will say, I will say too, as a Bitcoiner, it's, uh, it is, very advantageous to be able to recognize the cause of these boom bust cycles because you you can plan ahead for the future a lot better i mean nobody knows when these crashes are going to happen but i mean there are, most people just listen to their their financial advisors and they have a you know 60 40 diversified portfolio and and these things completely catch them off guard yeah absolutely so what kind of uh strategy you know, did you start with in terms of Bitcoin and where are you at now in terms of, you know, like an accumulation strategy? Do you own other assets? I mean, how do you look at it? Well, there's this really awesome token uh, I'd love to talk to you about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I started I mean, with basically the hard money philosophy, right? Like, eventually all fiat currencies have to die. So I should, I should own hard assets so that I bought gold. I got, got silver. Um, and then after that, I, I just sold everything for, for Bitcoin <laughs> as everyone does, you know, I had my shitcoin phase too. Uh, I've repented since then, but, um, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, once you realize that there are 7.8 billion people on earth, and only 21 million Bitcoin, and eventually the hardest money always wins, why would I buy anything else, especially as a young guy who can handle some, I don't want to call it risk, because I, I truly do not look at Bitcoin like it's a risky right. investment at this point, but mm -hmm. volatility. How, how old are you? Oh, I hate that question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm 24. Oh, you are really young. Okay, you're younger than me even. Nice. Um, so when did you get involved in, uh, in jujitsu? Was this after the Marines? No, it was before. So I got in, uh, jujitsu when I was like 16 ish and I've done it, you know, off and on since then, of course the military like put a pause on it, but, uh, yeah, man, other than Bitcoin, like jujitsu keeps me sane <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. What are you, are you a gi or a no gi guy? Uh, I, I hate the D I, I trained at 10th planet. <laughs> yeah. I trained at 10th planet San Diego or 10th planet Oceanside for, for a while. Cause okay. that's like right outside of where I was stationed in the military. So literally yeah. every day after work, I would just drive train jujitsu three hours a day, you know, that's the dream. That sounds great. Yeah, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I love jujitsu. It's definitely, definitely good time. And the no D like, uh, the 10th planet vibe is a lot different you know it's a lot less formal 
Yeah. Are you a rubber guard guy? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. triangles, triangles, my, my ish. Okay. I sent you a video of me doing a flying triangle and somebody in a competition one time. That's like my, Oh my yeah. Favorite send it. Thing. Yeah. We'll throw that in. That sounds great. <laughs> triangle is one of my favorite uh, submissions as well. Um, big fan. So that's a long time to be practicing jujitsu. That's awesome. Um, sticking to nogi have you found an interest among your peers i know a lot of people i do jujitsu with tend to be interested in bitcoin like i'll show up in a bitcoin sweater or something and then but they the problem is they all want to talk about like crypto like the you know a thousand other tokens and i'm like i don't i don't have time to orange pill you guys i don't <laughs> yeah i mean that's why we create content right like so right. just come and watch and yeah just refer them yeah yeah exactly yeah, man. I mean, it's it's the same issue with uh, with everybody, right? When they first get interested, they see like Shiba Inu going up, you know, 10, 10 times, and then they see Bitcoin doing a two X, and they they want the biggest return. Um, yeah, and actually, the the owner of the the current gym that I train at in Puerto Vallarta, in Mexico, uh, sent me a text the other day saying, "Hey, uh, we'd love to talk to you about Bitcoin. I'm also interested in NFTs and Ethereum." And I was like, "Oh God." <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, jujitsu, it kind of makes you think outside of the box in some ways, you know, and yeah. like, I will also say jujitsu is a very close contact martial art and to be doing something close contact right now this, at this point where we're in with this panic, I mean, you have to be, yeah. you have to be questioning things. So um but yeah, same old thing. I mean, it's at the end of the day, they're probably going to buy altcoins. They're probably going to get wrecked. And then they're going to see the huge difference between that and, and Bitcoin. So, yeah, I found, I mean, you know how it is. You do four or five rounds, maybe sit out one and chat. Bitcoin, uh, jujitsu is a really um, conversational sport, right? You drill and drill, you talk to each other. Um, very like close knit community. So you know, I found that like the word travels fast, fortunately, that people, um, if someone sees another success, you know, they ask, you know, because they're humble jujitsu practitioners. I think that the conversion ought to be easy, that they'll become uh, <laughs> humble Bitcoiners very, very quickly. But maybe that's not always the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another cool thing about jujitsu is like, you go in for the first time, and you think, you know, you're never going to tap out. And you think you know how to fight and then some dude half your size just chokes you out. He wraps his freaking legs around you and then you can't breathe. <laughs> like jujitsu yeah. kills your ego. Um, yeah. Every day, every day it, you go, if it's a good gym. <laughs> yeah. hundred. Yeah. Like uh, I think one of the Gracie's said, if you're not tapping, you're not learning hundred yeah. percent. And um, so I think there is an interesting parallel with like, uh, you know, people getting humbled and learning from other people who have been in for a long time and like bitcoin humbling other people because bitcoin definitely humbles you too you know so um yeah it's such a cool sport i mean it's for for five minutes you're trying to to basically kill somebody in a very organized safe way and then after that you hug and talk about life <laughs> yeah 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 you really are i mean you really are the only you know the conclusion to, to jujitsu is is death it's it's serious business it's it's either you get your arms ripped off or you get choked unconscious but there the way you can practice it is uh re replicatable every day you know it's safe it's sustainable you can do you can do it all day if you get in good enough shape it's it's a great thing 
Um, but I've kind of found that um, like investing or I don't like to use the word of investing, but like putting away a little bit in Bitcoin and, and basically getting rid of my fiat every day. It is the kind of thing that you only see small additions, like just little 1% improvements. And then you look back, you know, six months from now and you're like, wow, man, I really got that bread cutter choked down. Like I really got, you know, I've really, you know, tightened up my head and arm. My Bitcoin stack has grown. This is great. It's just it's kind of a very low time preference sport, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it is. And that's really the difference between human behavior and animal behavior. And what the fiat system does is it, it basically creates animal behavior among humans. I mean, the core difference between us and animals is we can plan for the future. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, the fact that, uh, people don't, I mean, now they have something to save in because of Bitcoin, but prior to Bitcoin, I mean, if you save in fiat currency, you're going to be living paycheck to paycheck, of course. And that's why my generation, the millennial, millennial generation is, is uh, largely broke, you know, because they haven't owned these assets all these years that go up fairly proportionately to the rise of inflation. And uh, so, I mean, what do you see? You go on that website, WTF happened on 1971 and you see so many things like obesity children born out of wedlock divorces suicides uh meat consumption uh just so many different factors of how every aspect of life is affected by this shitty monopoly money that we've all been using and uh yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a very, it's a really shitty time to be alive in some ways, but it's also a very <laughs> exciting time to be alive too, because I mean, I can't imagine where we, we would be at without Bitcoin. I mean, it's money is as common among human beings as water and food. And if you think about it, any other, any other product, like if there was a car company that, that made only one form of cars and there was no competition to this one company, everybody be, would be driving horrible cars, horrible customer service. Like it's the same situation with money. And for the last, you know, hundreds of thousands, hundred, well, really the 12th century was the first like fiat currency, but of course you had, you had other, other forms of inflation before mm -hmm. actual paper money. But uh, yeah. So it's a great time to be alive, man. So how did you see that, that, um, change for yourself i know that i kind of look at bitcoin as you know it's kind of a light in the dark uh before bitcoin i had trouble despite being reasonably well educated having decent jobs i just couldn't keep any savings i couldn't save money i couldn't accumulate wealth um not for lack of trying i thought it was just some kind of like fault of my own but then you look over your shoulder and it's like well none of my friends are making any money either Except for uh, you know, you know, some some fiat jobs pay really well, but outside of those, it was hard for like the average person to save at all. So I was just wondering, what was the mentality shift like for you, and how long did it take you to kind of realize like, oh, Bitcoin is is it? Like, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I I just basically got lucky in 2017 buying before that big run up. <clears throat> so and I didn't sell it, uh, which I'm happy about, but uh, I still didn't get. I feel like once you really understand that, okay, if everybody uses this, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be doing really well. <laughs> and it's, mm -hmm. it's basic math. Um, 
for a while, I mean, I, I thought it was just a safe thing to have a diversified portfolio. So I, you know, a couple of years after me owning Bitcoin is really when I, I started selling everything and, and having only, only Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, everybody always wishes that they, they had bought more in the past. <laughs> so yeah. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes and Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout. The world of crypto can seem like the Wild West sometimes. Soaring highs, crashing lows, celebrity shills, and new coins popping up seemingly out of nowhere every day. Look, we get it because we've been there before. At Bitcoin Magazine, we aim to filter out the noise and help newcomers concentrate on the signal. That's why we focus on Bitcoin only. Learning about Bitcoin may seem intimidating at first, but we've worked hard to break things down in a simple and digestible format that anyone can understand. Bitcoin Magazine has launched a free 21-day email course that teaches you about the fundamentals of Bitcoin. You'll receive one new lesson each day that covers a brand new topic as we guide you down the Bitcoin rabbit hole with quick and easy 3-5 to five minute reads. Not only do you get the free course, but everyone who completes the quiz at the end will earn some free Bitcoin. Start learning and earning Bitcoin today. Visit b.tc forward slash 21 days to enroll. Yeah, I think uh, I think all I can say is I wish I would have bought earlier. I think I've, I've been all in for I think I was all in within six months of getting into it, which is nice. You know, I got really lucky surrounded by like a good group of Bitcoiners, you know, yourself and other people on Twitter really set, you know, a great example, I think, for for what I think is like the right way to go about it, really. Um, so what do you think about riskier strategies? People, you know, quote unquote, diversifying into sort of tech Bitcoin adjacent equities or using leverage to try to trade Bitcoin. What, what do you think about stuff like that? You ever messed around with that? Uh, I've been tempted, but I, here's the way I view trading. Like I, I don't look down on a, and anybody who does trading and I understand why they do it, but just for me and my life, like I don't think trading does anything productive really. You know, there's no mm -hmm. like real world thing that is being produced from trading. You're basically just, like hoping you're playing your cards right and setting charts all day. And, and that's cool. Like you're going to, I hope for every Bitcoiner trading, like I hope you make money and I hope you do good things with your money. And I know you probably will because you're a Bitcoiner. But um, as for me, uh, I, I have other things to do. I mean, I'm working all the time with Bitcoin reserve. I don't have time to, to trade options. So I just want to, I just want to stack my sats and, 
just save. I mean, that's that's the thing with fiat currency is it produces malinvestments and people, you have like your grandma doing trading. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not supposed to happen. You know, grandma is just supposed to, to save her money. You know, I mean, people, not everybody is supposed to be an investor. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's my opinion. I don't trade options or anything like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I messed around with it early on. Um, I think I can leave it be for the foreseeable future. I just always feel like I don't have like, I understand it. I, I know how to trade options. I see opportunities, um, but they're not guaranteed. And the, the risk involved, I think is not worth the opportunity costs of like the, the Bitcoin that you're gonna you're gonna forsake if you if you mess up that trade. So to me, it's like, I just never think I have enough Bitcoin to start doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's the right mentality to have. Yeah. You will <laughs> never have enough Bitcoin. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. do you, do you ever find, do you think it makes you greedy at all? Um, cause I never, I mean, I really do feel that way. I'll, I'll, I'll feel guilty about buying, like going out to eat or something or like taking, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like basic necessities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My wife has told me like, Oh my God, you're insane. Like you just, you don't want to have anything and you just want to buy Bitcoin constantly. Um, yeah. yeah. So it could go both ways. Right. So I think a good place to start off from that is, uh, some people think that money is the root of all evil. And I don't, I think money is completely neutral. I think money is, it's just an object. It's objective and it's a tool and human beings use tools for good things. And human beings use tools for bad things. And Bitcoin is just the most advanced form of money that we have today. Most people don't realize it yet, but it is. Um, so to, to directly answer your question, I mean, I've seen people on Twitter say like, like horrible things. <laughs> like, like I've had this watch passed down from my great, great grandfather <laughs> and I sold it to stack some sats. I've literally, oh, no. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I think some people, some people get a little bit extreme. Um, but I, I, I think it just depends on who you are. Money, money ultimately makes you more of who you already are. It doesn't make you a, a bad person. It doesn't make you a good person. It just, Money is human energy. It's a unit of human energy and human time. And whoever has more of that unit can have a bigger effect on the world. So I think for, for me and the majority of Bitcoiners I know, uh, we just want freedom and we want to stack a ton of sats and we want to create citadels and we just want to have a good life and help people on this earth. Yeah. So let's talk about what that means to you. What, uh, you know, what's your, your future plans? I mean, is there a point when you, when you spend your Bitcoin, is there something you're, you're saving for you trying to escape this society? You're trying to build your own city. What do you, what are you thinking? Yeah. So first of all, I think the, the notion of you should never spend Bitcoin. I think that's short Bitcoin because obviously you're going to want to spend money, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I don't think you should spend all your Bitcoin, of course, but uh, yeah, as far as the Citadel thing, I mean, I, I, without disclosing too much, I'm definitely talking with, with uh, people about creating something pretty cool in Mexico. I think the Puerto Vallarta area, which is where I'm based is I'm extremely bullish on Puerto Vallarta. I mean, they're already mm -hmm. like 
I believe 13 or 14 businesses in that area that currently accept Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and it's just full of uh, expats from, I mean, I know so many people that are leaving Australia and Europe and all these tyrannical countries and going to Puerto Vallarta and other places in Mexico too, of course. But um, yeah, so, so bullish on Puerto Vallarta. As far as the Citadel idea, I, I think um, I, I've developed kind of a different mindset over the Citadels. I initially thought, okay, well, you know, we can just get tons and tons, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Bitcoiners and just buy this one area and create like, it's just going to be like a free sovereign area. And I think that's entirely possible, Mm -hmm. but I think the better strategy is for people to just have people to be in the same area, but be geographically distributed in that area. So if you look at like the, again, the Vietnamese versus the United States military, the Vietnamese were, they, they were decentralized pretty much. There was, there was not one major like chain of command. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really where I see things going with Bitcoin is Bitcoiners are essentially part of a decentralized country, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so I think we're going to have these, these kind of hubs pop up all over the place, all over the world. And Bitcoiners who travel, you know, we can help each other out in these hubs. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I picture for the future of Citadels. But um, Mexico as well, I'm extremely, extremely bullish on for that country in Bitcoin. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? What brought you to be based in, in Mexico and uh, what's, you know, what's keeping you there? What do you what do you love about it besides the shops that are that are accepting Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. Well, so right when COVID happened, uh, I... I was living in the worst place to live uh, in the United States, in my opinion, which is Los Angeles. Yeah, I was going to guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so COVID happened and I had been anticipating some crazy thing to happen around that time, you know, like most of us were, you know, again, with the boom bust cycle, you know, eventually something's going to happen. And, uh, and yeah, so they start locking people down and the economy down and I I had some family members living in Mexico already. So I threw everything in my car and I drove like 1500 miles to Mexico. Um, I figured I'm young. I, I get like, especially having been in the military, I get having national pride. And I understand that. And I think in some ways that is important, but I'm from Los Angeles and I have no pride where I'm locally from. And, uh, I want to check out the world. So, so yeah, I just drove to Mexico and, uh, I met Katie and Anina there, Katie, the Russian on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. And I told her like, Hey, yeah, I'm working, uh, for this, this data center company. That's what I was doing at the time. That was my fiat job. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, just talked Bitcoin and mentioned that I, I really want to work in the, in the space. And, uh, she, she knew Yuri De Gaia, who's the, the, one of the founders of Bitcoin reserve. Mm-hmm. So anyways, she had Yuri meet me and, uh, I had some interviews with Bitcoin reserve and like literally within the span of one month of me moving to Mexico, not having any like certain long-term future, although I was doing it at the time, uh, like I met awesome people. I I'm, was so happy. I moved there and I got a Bitcoin job and I've been working for this company for the last over a year and a half. And I just, I could not be 
any happier uh, doing, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. What's uh, what's that like uh, working for Bitcoin Reserve? Uh, where, where are they based again? Are they out of Europe? Yeah, so we we focus on Europe. We're currently based out of Estonia, but we're all over the place. I mean, we've got team members in Montenegro. I'm in Mexico, uh, Russia, the Netherlands, bunch of different places. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's I've found that uh, right now, basically, we have the pretty much the biggest problem humanity has right now is people doing things against what their conscience says. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think when you follow that conscience, good things will happen. I truly do believe that. And, uh, that's why I got out of the military. I, I, that was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life was get out of the military and have my family think I'm some <laughs> kooky conspiracy theorist. Of course, now they really understand, but it's not always easy to, to follow that, but, uh, I think it's important. So, yeah. I mean, it's my life is I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I talk with Bitcoiners all day. I write articles. Um, and I, I genuinely believe this thing is, is good for people. So I'm just very happy to talk about it all the time with people. Yeah. Love it. So what would, if you had to describe it, what's the mission statement of your, of your company? To spread Bitcoin adoption across Europe. I would say that is our, our primary mission. <clears throat> and if you look at Europe, there is, I mean, there's so much regulation in that entire area. And there are so many different subcultures in Europe as well. And there have been exchanges that pop up and then go out of business because the regulators, you know, create some more laws. And really our long-term goal is to be just the hub of Europe where anybody can buy any amount of Bitcoin from, you know, 10 euros to high net worth individuals doing OTC trades. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously I'm super happy about the ethos. We don't sell shit coins. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, people don't realize how profitable it is for exchanges to, to sell shit coins. I mean, they get money from listing these shit coins and they don't care about you at all. And they want you to buy it. And if you lose all your, all your money on these shit coins that they're putting on, on their books, they could care less. So mm -hmm. yeah. And it, it's great. Like talking with other people in Bitcoin companies who have the same thing in mind, who have this low time preference view on things. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I mean, I think Europe needs it, especially they need something like that. I'm really fond of, uh, you know, your company, but as well as uh, Re relay in Germany and Switzerland, I think is doing great things. Um, yeah, we just need more. I feel like more competition in the market is just going to be great for Bitcoin, you know, just 100%. And that's, that's the other beautiful thing about working in Bitcoin is the total addressable market is huge. It's 7.8 billion people. So <laughs> we and we need competition uh, in this. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of Bitcoin is it adds competition to a system that was previously monopolized. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree. The more, the better. So if we pivot a little bit, um, do you want to talk about the article, the awesome, uh, apocalypse anti-fragility article you just wrote for Bitcoin magazine? Yeah. So, uh, it was really an attempt to answer a hypothetical question that I've had 
for a long time, which is, I mean, especially coming out of the military, you, you view the world in, in dark ways sometimes. And I think like, okay, we talked about Bitcoin being censorship resistant um, and permissionless and all these things, and that's great. But what if some horrible catastrophe ends up happening and I can't go on my cell phone and uh, would Bitcoin even survive in that situation or would we be completely screwed? And you, plus you have the World Economic Forum. They always tell us what they're going to do before they do it. So now they're talking about a, <laughs> a cyber pandemic and they're, oh man, I don't know what that's, listen, here's the what thing. What does that too. mean? What is a cyber I, pandemic? <laughs> well, they're talking about crazy things like having to yeah. disconnect uh, every single device from the internet for 24 hours. And, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. It's definitely going to happen at, at some point. I don't know when. Um. I will say that, uh, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm no expert on ham radios or off-grid Bitcoin transactions or anything. I'm just, I'm a layman who wanted to answer this question for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the two biggest conclusions that I have are, yes, I firmly believe Bitcoin would survive some sort of apocalyptic event. And the other thing is if an apocalypse type situation happens. You're not going to be concerned about your Bitcoin in the first place. You're going to be concerned about uh, your food supply, your water supply, your bullets. safety, your bullets, your family's safety. I mean, those are, are the core things. And the beautiful thing that Bitcoin helps us do is obtain those things. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what specifically I could, I could address from here, but that's like a high level yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, so something I'd be curious about, kind of like beside the article, you know, you have a military background. What um, what's your like? Do you have a bug out plan? Do you have aspects of that plan you could share or talk about? That stuff's so interesting to me. What people think would happen? Because I live in the East Coast. Like, if something happens here, I'm fucked, bro. Like, if it's <laughs> like, it's like, you know what I mean? If it's five o'clock any day of the week, I'm fucked. I can't go anywhere. There's too much traffic. <laughs> like. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to tell anybody my, my details, of course. And I know that's right, what you're right. asking about, but like I, the first thing, the first part of my bug out plan is not living in a city and being in Mexico. And I don't think everybody should move to Mexico. I don't think like, <laughs> that's the solution. I think there are many different solutions, but basically if, if you're in a city, you need to get the fuck out. Truly. That's, I mean, I, there's no other way to say it. That's my opinion. Um, I mean, I don't know, even when I'm in a city, I, I just, I feel like a little ant. Like, I feel like they can just control me in so many different ways. I have nowhere to go. Uh, the state has like complete authority over people. Um, yeah. So the first thing is just to get out of the city. As far as, you know, my specific plan, uh, I definitely think everybody should have their own resources or access to resources. Um, and you don't have to have everything to sustain yourself. Like you don't have to have this crazy eco village house with cows and pigs and all these things, although that would be awesome. And that's what I definitely want. But, uh, what you really want is to be in an area around people who have no faith in government and who have their own resources. And I see that, uh, that's just one of the most appealing things about Mexico for me is, I mean, you, of course you go to Mexico city or Cretro or just Guadalajara 
and it's a typical city, you know, but if you go outside of that, you have, you have like great, decent people who are anarcho-capitalists who just don't even realize it. I mean, (laughs) they all have like farms, they're all, uh, they all have strong family values and, and plus I'll, I'll end on this note. I love Mexico too, because it's already pretty much, it's been a failed state. They had very bad inflation in the seventies, very bad inflation in the nineties. Um, they had a, a currency reset in the nineties, actually from the old peso to the new peso. And they took off like three zeros. Um, but uh, that's just a really safe thing to do, to be around people who have already weathered the storm or who know that the storm is coming and have properly prepared for it. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. I, I moved here recently from uh, New Mexico, um, which, you know, is not Mexico, but it is uh, popped down to Mexico a couple of times. I've been to like Juarez, um, not the greatest place to visit by any means. Um, so I was just curious, what's what's that like uh, in your neck of the woods? Is it is it safe? Do average people, will they feel secure there? Because I know even just living in Albuquerque, I was living there training MMA, fighting all day and night. And, you know, strapped to the gills and I didn't feel safe. Like the, the place was just hood. So I'm just curious what it's like where you're at. Yeah. Were you, I'm just curious real quick. Were you at that big, I forget the name of that gym. Yeah. I was at Jackson Wink. Oh, I, lived awesome. at, I used to live at Jackson Wink. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, Mexico is definitely not a place for naive people. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to hide that. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect country. I'm not saying everywhere in the country is safe. <clears throat> That said, it's a big country, and I always say, I mean, if you're saying Mexico is just this dangerous place, that's like saying the United States is dangerous because shootings happen in Chicago. Like it, it's right. it's a very big country, and there are subcultures in that country. Um, so yeah, you want to choose very wisely where you go in Mexico. I mean, I, I think Puerto Vallarta is is the best spot in my opinion. I don't want to get into detail too much on the the two governments in Mexico, but there are two governments basically, and mm-hmm. I actually think that's that's quite American. <laughs> and my reason for saying that is again going back to the Second Amendment of the Constitution, it talks about a well-armed militia, and mm-hmm. we have Thomas Jefferson saying. Uh, when there is is tyranny, the people fear the government. When there is liberty, the government fears the people. The point of the militia was to keep the government in check. Uh, and the United States does not have that anymore. And I don't think it's any fault of, well, I mean, obviously it is the fault of American people, but like, I think there are a lot of freedom-loving people in America. I, I think America has particularly been a target for that reason. Mm. Um, you look at things like Ruby Ridge or uh, Waco, things like that. I mean, there's definitely like a clear intention by federal authorities in the United States to make sure that people are afraid of, of uh, basically defending themselves. So um, that's one difference that I like in Mexico. Um, there are a lot of other, other good areas as well, but uh, yeah, that's my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. So do you think that we need some kind of, um, event for people to you know turn the tables here in the united states or do you think there will be a natural like pendulum shift 
back to people kind of coming to them senses, uh, coming to their senses, arming themselves, buying Bitcoin, um, things like that? Well, there's that saying, uh, what is it? bad times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create bitches, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's about how it goes, yeah. Yeah, that's about how it goes. <laughs> um, so I, that, I think that's just a natural cycle of life. I mean, it's, it's uh, I don't think we have a lot of strong men right now in 2021, so we're gonna have some pretty bad, <laughs> bad times. Um, but again, I mean, the beautiful thing with Bitcoin is it's it's literally it. Bitcoin is the great reset, and I don't I don't think central banks are completely stupid. I don't think these these parasites or these elites or these globalists, whatever people call them, I don't think they're entirely stupid. Um, and I also think, in kind of a, an inadvertent way, they can benefit from Bitcoin too. So. I, I think Bitcoin really is the exit plan for, for many different reasons. Um, but again, it's just human ignorance is the biggest issue is people can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I mean, some people, some family members you try and talk about Bitcoin with, and they just won't listen. And uh, like Alex Fexty talks about with a remnant, like what we need to be doing right now is talking with the people who are actually able to comprehend what, what we're saying, because there are, there are TFGs, there are too far gone. <laughs> you know, we have to talk to the people who, who might actually listen to what we're saying. I've got a interesting uh, comment that just popped up. Uh, it says Bitcoin was created by China. They own over 60% of Bitcoin that we know. <laughs> And that the Binance market cap is owned by a chap from China. Oh, how do you help these people, man? I don't. <laughs> Dude, I have somebody that's, yeah, I have somebody that hasn't bought Bitcoin because of the Tether FUD since like under a thousand dollars. It's the FUD is, is eventually they're going to buy it. But, uh, and the thing I say too is, okay, well, just in case you're wrong, you might want to just have some. Yeah, of course. You just know? in case it catches on, but it's also like. They, they can't get out of their own way. Like there's like a cognitive dissonance there where people are, are just taking, you know, this fantasy. They want to, they want to be told that whatever moves they've made are the right moves, right? They don't want to have to admit that everything they knew about money is wrong. Everything they were raised believing about the financial system, about the U S government is wrong. And they need to rebuild <laughs> their vision of the world in their head. Like it's hard work. It's hard work to come to a new understanding um, that money is not something that is mandated by a government. That's not a true definition of money. I mean, take out the word true. That's not money. That's that's government mandate. Uh, money is something that we can all agree upon and use as a tool uh, and, you know, something that's immutable and immune to governance. And it's just it's it's frustrating, man, because I think the people that are going to have the hardest time that, that they will understand Bitcoin, but it, it'll be it'll be expensive, way too expensive for them to acquire, you know, what we're fortunate enough to acquire on a daily basis now. Yeah, I, Bitcoin rewards people who pursue truth and it punishes ignorance. And on, on that note, I mean, I had another phrase I say is uh, the orange pill leads to the red pill. And uh, that's, that's a really tough pill to swallow. I mean, there, 
so many people get in Bitcoin and they start questioning the banking system. And then once they realize like, oh my God, if the money is, is corrupted and it's, it's, I mean, it's no question the money is corrupted. It's no question that this, this central banking mechanism is a cartel that does not have my best interest in mind. Then mm-hmm. what other branches of the state do not have my best interest in mind? And, you know, Bitcoin aside, I mean, the majority of people cannot uh, accept that, you know, the, the government is not their friend. It's just such a difficult thing to accept. Um, so, yeah, and, and there's this Da Vinci on that note, I, I think a good point to end that on is uh, there's this Da Vinci phrase. Uh, he says, there are three kinds of people. There are those who see, those who see when they are shown, and those who never see. So we have to talk to, uh, to the first two in that group. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know, man, there's, uh, there's, it's very rewarding to be kind of like one of the public facing people trying to educate people about Bitcoin, but it also, it could be taxing. I mean, do you want to get into that at all? Uh, do you, do you worry about having put yourself out there? Is there a time when you're going to hit an exit button and just disappear from the internet? I know I'm not going to be doing this forever. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, uh, there's definitely going to be a point when, uh, I just want to chill <laughs> and like read all day, but I think that's going to be a long time from now. To be honest, I say that, but I, I really like confrontation sometimes and, and like Bitcoiners have to be confrontational. Like we, we are buying I mean, there's, there's the, the toxic accusation that gets thrown at us, but uh, like, dude, with, without Bitcoiners being willing to, to piss people off and tell them the truth, which is not easy to hear all the time. That's a really important thing. Um, it is, I mean, it's tough because I guess the one downside of working for a Bitcoin company is, uh, you know, especially like with me, I'm, I'm CBDO. So I'm, I'm always public facing, uh, you know, it, it's very clear that Andrew Howard is, is into Bitcoin. Uh, I'm not a NIM, I'm not anonymous. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm okay with that. You know, um, I, I think another way it can be taxing is, and, and this is just with, with friends or family too, is people think you have some ulterior motive sometimes and getting them in Bitcoin. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like your, your $50 a week does not make a difference to me. You know? Yeah. They think it's a Ponzi. I, I experience that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just okay. trying to help them out. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, one story that I share often, I try to get my family into it you know, they don't listen. I mean, why should they? They it's very strange. It's a very strange idea to come at someone with um, just to just tell people who are, who are older than you, who have who are wealthier than you, even that they don't understand how money works and money is not the, what they thought it was. And they should, you know, there's there's tactful approaches to these things. But on on some level, you have to be already ready and looking kind of for a change to get it. So what I found the best approach is obviously put it out there everybody knows i'm like kind of bitcoin guy if you need anything and then they come to you which is which is really nice when they finally do sometimes it takes crazy things to happen like for example my my family didn't understand what i meant that bitcoin is you know unconfiscatable property until 
you know, I, I'm from a farm. We got a, you know, big farm in the Midwest, and uh, we got an eminent domain letter. They came to confiscate, <laughs> you know, several miles of our land to destroy tons of, you know, field tiling, perfectly good timber that we've lived on this land for about a hundred years. So it's like that's but, so criminal. It, it's criminal, but and it's for a private interest pipeline. That's the worst part. That's what enraged them. But I mean, we're fighting it, of course. But the nice thing is that made it click. They were like, oh, I don't own what I thought I owned. And I'm like, no, you don't own anything in this world. Yeah. <laughs> unless 100%. you own Bitcoin. You, you really, you don't have true ownership unless you have Bitcoin. Um, yeah. And that's a huge claim. But I'm willing to sit down and back that up with anyone all day. Like, <laughs> it, It's absolutely true. You're only as, as free as you're able to defend. And you only own something as much as you're able to defend it. And uh, I mean, I, I will say some Bitcoiners take this out of proportion and they say, I mean, they don't own anything except for Bitcoin. And I'm sorry, like if, if the World Economic Forum is literally saying we're, we should see famines of biblical proportions, which is a real phrase that they used. I want to, <laughs> yeah, I want to have resources, but at the same time, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the cost of, enforcement i mean technically I, I guess they could somehow confiscate bitcoin but but i just think for them they're not there's no way they can actually enforce that with that's a one um, by one base they have to torture every person <laughs> yes they have to torture every person i mean think of i mean think of that compared to the government just sending a message to your bank saying hey we're going to steal this person's money Huge fucking difference. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, you you 100 uh, own Bitcoin, and tragic accidents uh, occur as well. I mean, boating accidents occur, and uh, sometimes you you could lose your Bitcoin on boating accidents. And yeah, you know, there's there's no way uh, any any state authority could could take it from you. So if that were the case, yeah. And I think like I think one of the reasons we're seeing all-time highs generally in this time period is because like people are realizing just carnally just like oh the government wants to own my body too like this this isn't even mine they're taking this from me they already did when i was a kid we just never it never became an issue i didn't realize like i had all these vaccines and what they mean and what it means to be medicated against your will yeah what, what it means to be you know locked down your house or told you know you got batshit crazy Lori lightfoot telling the people of Chicago who could not be having a harder time <laughs> just in general that she's going to make their lives miserable if they don't get this vaccine. It's, it's crazy. You don't have any self-sovereignty. Yeah, no, they're absolutely treating people like children. And most people, uh, I don't, I don't want to say most, a lot of people want to be enslaved. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's another thing I love about Bitcoiners is, is uh, regardless of what your opinion is on this injection, like, Everybody agrees, every Bitcoiner I know agrees that nothing should be forced into your body against your will. I mean, that that is a basic moral principle that we should be agreeing on. Yeah, insofar as there are any human rights, that would be one um, I'm willing to protect and uh, and fight about. I don't I don't. Yeah, that's that's a hard line in the sand for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, some things, obviously, you're better alive, but uh some things are worth dying for. And that's, that's one of them. Um, and I think that's this, 
that's why we have uh, a lot of lower testosterone levels in males. And, uh, you know, they basically, <laughs> they don't want men to be, it's easier to, to have a docile population, you know, they yeah. don't want men questioning and, and actually doing something against this. Look on that, uh, on that note, I mean, it's, it's no coincidence that, you know, the Harvard nutrition department was founded about a hundred years ago now, and they have been slowly introducing soy into literally every, you know, everything that you eat, you can't get away from it. And they've been so slowly replacing all of the things that you thought were nutritious with things that are not that, you know, they want you to eat oats for breakfast as if we were already living in a famine. Um, they want to keep you away from meat. Yeah, they don't yeah. want you to drink water. Fundamentally, they'd rather fill you up with, you know, Pepsi or Coke or something like that. Like, it's ridiculous. These 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 people, if the government had your best interest in mind, they would tell you to go outside and go for a jog. Like, not, 100% and drink, drink a glass of water today, not not inject yourself with this experimental medication. Yeah, and not get sunlight, not go to the gym, put this cancer causing antibacterial chemical on your hands constantly have no be isolated from social contact like that's very important that's a torture tactic in the military is to socially isolate people <laughs> so interesting yeah yeah interesting times yeah man on that note i mean i will say like just to bring it back to something more positive it's like a sigh of relief to find Bitcoiners online. And to, are you are you coming to the Bitcoin 2022 conference, by the way? Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. All yeah. right. We're going to smuggle you into the country. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, meeting Bitcoiners in real life or online, you find that, um, you know, we don't all think alike per se, but we do align on, on certain principles. And there is a general way that we uplift each other and, and, you know, I mean, I hold my friends who are Bitcoiners accountable. They hold me accountable. We're all interested in bettering ourselves in whatever way that, you know, the individual sees fit. So it's like, whereas fiat is the mindset of like, I'm going to tell you what's best for you. I, I find that Bitcoiners, you know, like I kind of look at you and I'm just like, okay, what is Andrew like? What do you, where do you see yourself? Like, okay, what, what? You know, if we were like really good friends or something, I'd be like, what can I do to help you realize your vision of yourself? It's not that I want you to realize some vision of you that I have. Does that make sense? Is this Absolutely. Sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, that's that's something. Uh, it's another thing I love about Bitcoiners. We're, we're like, we want to provide value to each other. I mean, the people that we work with and I mean, the other industries, they did to conferences, but it's it's just like it's like a word conference i mean with bitcoin you go to a conference and it's work and also people that you would hang out with you know work aside so uh yeah man i i i love that part of bitcoin is we all have the same goal in mind and we want to help other people achieve that goal and that's another huge difference between crypto and bitcoin is crypto they're what twelve thousand different cryptocurrencies everybody's <laughs> got a different goal yeah they're i don't know man they're coming they're coming from all angles and they all want to steal your bitcoin so uh if anyone's listening make sure you you get that in, in cold storage are there other what, what is your your strategy going forward we talked about this a little but it's just it's just a simple buy and hold mentality i mean that's where i'm at that's 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about the idea of lending. I'm getting interested in that, especially yeah. for, you know for. I think that's that's going to be a huge thing. It already is a huge thing, but like a, a more prevalent thing with Bitcoiners because it's so painful to just separate with some corn, even if it's for a farm or whatever you need. Like just to know that. I mean, one Bitcoin, you're not going to want to, you don't want to tell anybody right now that you own one Bitcoin, but in in the future, if you tell somebody that you own one Bitcoin, like your life is seriously going to be endangered. So uh, anyways, yeah, I I guess the lending thing is, is one aspect to that, that, that I am interested in, but uh, yeah, man, I, I, I hate investing. I, I mean, it's, I, I don't, like spending a bunch of my time or I didn't like spending a bunch of my time trying to figure out, you know, what to put my money in and all that. I don't think it's fun, but I'd rather just save my money in Bitcoin and do other more productive things. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's a, it's a simple strategy, but it takes all the activity bias out of everything. Takes, takes all the biases out of everything really. Cause you're not leaving anything to chance. Are you You're just accumulating and holding? And going back about your life, finding more ways to deliver value to the world. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's what we're going to see more and more is people are going to stop doing things they hate for the majority of the day. Like think about how horrible this freaking system is, is that fiat currency gets people so broke to the point that, you know, little Johnny has to go to his government indoctrination camp for eight hours a day. And he can't stay home because both of his parents are barely putting food on the table and they're both working full-time jobs. Like what a horrible lifestyle that is. The idea that tons of people on earth wake up every day and do something. They work with people that they don't want to be with and they do something that they hate for the majority of the day. And then they come home tired and they watch TV and they basically mentally sedate themselves until they do it again the next day. And uh, Bitcoin is breaking that cycle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Andrew, it was great having you on. I think, uh, got to follow up with you in a couple, in a couple weeks or so, bring you on again and see how things are going down there. And in general, um, also we gotta, we gotta roll at the conference, man. I'm going to have to get them to put in some mats at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. There's gonna be a lot of jujitsu practitioners there. Okay. That would be awesome. If you guys got some mats. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Or you hit up American Top Team and have them bring bring over a cage or something. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and, and I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, I would love to, to come on again. So thanks so much. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Have a nice day, man. All right. You too. Peace. See ya.